Welcome and thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. Our Alpha Sermon Series continues. Alpha is a venue where you can bring your questions, thoughts, even doubts about Jesus. Today, the question is simple. Who is Jesus? For the answer, here's First Pres Executive Director Chris Pan. Good morning. I'm Chris Pan, the Executive Director of the Church. We are continuing with our Alpha Sermon Series today, where we are exploring the core tenets of what it means to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus. We believe that God is real and that he still speaks today. So as we go through our talk today, ask yourself these two questions. What is God saying to me and what does he want me to do about it? What is God saying to me? What does he want me to do about it? Ask yourself that as we go through our sermon today. Our sermon topic today is who is Jesus? If we are followers of Jesus Christ or interested in finding out what that means, then we should figure out pretty early on who is Jesus? Jesus is clearly one of the most significant figures in human history. We mark our time by the date of his birth. And by we, I don't mean just Christians. For everyone in the world, it is the year 2022. If you're Muslim, it's 2022. If you're Buddhist, it's 2022. If you're an atheist and don't believe in God or Jesus, it's still 2,022 years from Jesus' birth. Jesus is so significant that he changed the tracking of time for the whole world. Jesus Christ is so influential that his name is used as a swear word. I think that is fascinating. That no matter how famous someone else is, we're not stubbing our toe and then yelling, Genghis Khan! When someone cuts you off on the highway, you don't shout, Justin Bieber! Although, I don't know, maybe that would be a, a good thing to start. That's got a certain ring to it. Justin Bieber! For me personally, I started seriously asking and exploring this question, who is Jesus, when I was in high school. I read an essay by the author C.S. Lewis, the guy who wrote The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And the essay was entitled, Man or Rabbit? The first line of the essay is, can you lead a good life without believing in Christianity? And Lewis writes that the person asking that question is really saying, I don't care if Christianity is true or not. I just want to live a good life. They're saying, I don't care if the real universe is more like the way Christians say it is, or if it's more like the way Buddhists claim it is, or secular humanists, humanists or others say it is. But in the essay, Lewis writes that you can't live a good life without at some point deciding about what is really true about the world and the universe. That we have to grapple with the question of, is Christianity true? We can't skip it and just try to live a good life because if Christianity is true, or if it's false, then it will have consequences on how we live. Lewis writes, here is a door behind which, according to some people, the secret of the universe is waiting for you. Either that's true or it isn't. And if it isn't, then what the door really conceals is simply the greatest fraud, the most colossal sell on record. Isn't it obviously the job of every man that is a man and not a rabbit to try to find out which and then devote his full energies either to serving this tremendous secret or to exposing and destroying this gigantic humbug? I read those words as a teenager and they really struck me and they stuck with me. If we are human and not rabbits, 
then we need to find out what is really true about the universe. Either Christianity is true or it is not. I became a philosophy major in college and went to divinity school afterwards in order to answer that question for myself. Is this true? And I decided that yes, what Christianity says about the real universe is true. And more basically, what Jesus says about himself is true. So, who is Jesus? My alternate title for this sermon was, Duh, to Hmm. Because we're going to cover some ground today, which you might think, duh. But as we go, hopefully we'll get to some points where you say, hmm, duh, to hmm. Okay? So, who is Jesus? Point number one, Jesus is a real guy. This is where you might think, duh. But there are some people who might think that Jesus didn't actually exist. That he's a work of fiction or myth, like Zeus or a mermaid. So let's start with Jesus was a real person who actually lived. He was a Palestinian Jew who lived in the first century. Jesus was a real person who walked on our earth. There is overwhelming historical evidence for his life, including from sources outside of the Bible. Early Roman historians like Tacitus and Suetonius wrote books about the Roman emperors in which they actually refer to Jesus and his death under Pontius Pilate. The Jewish historian Josephus wrote in the first century about Jesus, writing, There was about this time a wise man named Jesus, a doer of wonderful works. There is historical evidence about Jesus' existence, both outside of the Bible and inside the Bible. There are a number of books about Jesus in the New Testament of the Bible that tell us about Jesus. Why do we believe that these accounts, called Gospels, are reliable? Let's take a quick moment to talk about textual criticism which is scholarship about the creation and transmission of written texts, textual criticism. Regarding reliability, the basic idea is that the more manuscripts you have, and the closer and earlier that they are in time to the, the time when the author wrote them, the more reliable they are. I'll say it again. Lots of copies, and the earlier they are, equals more reliable. So let's look at some examples. There are two ancient Greek historians named Herodotus and Thucydides. No classical scholar doubts the authenticity of their works. They both wrote in about the 5th century BC, and the earliest copies of their works are from 900 AD. That's a gap of 1,300 years between the author writing the work and the earliest copy of their manuscript. And there are only eight copies of each of their manuscripts. Again, no scholar doubts the authenticities of these works by Herodotus or Thucydides. Some other Roman historical works for reference. Livy's Roman History, a 900-year gap, 20 copies. Caesar's Gallic War, a 950-year gap, 10 copies. Tacitus, a 1,000-year gap, and 20 copies. Then we come to the New Testament of the Bible, a collection of 27 letters and gospel accounts telling us about Jesus. They are written between the years 40 AD and 100 AD. And the earliest manuscript is from about AD 130, a gap of only 30 years. In contrast to the eight copies of Thucydides' works, there are 5,309 Greek manuscripts of the New Testament, 10,000 Latin manuscripts, 9,300 in other languages. The New Testament of the Bible is totally unique among ancient texts. Again, the more copies and the earlier they are equals the more reliable they are. 
F.J.A. Hort, a textual critic and theologian, said this, quote, in the variety and fullness of the evidence on which it rests, the text of the New Testament stands absolutely and unapproachably alone amongst ancient prose writings. So all of that is to say the New Testament gives us a reliable account about Jesus's life. Jesus had a physical body that got hungry and tired. He had human emotions like love and anger and sadness. And he had human experiences. He was tempted and he learned. He worked, he obeyed, he went to a wedding. So point number one, Jesus was a real guy who actually lived. Point number two, Jesus was a great religious teacher. The teaching of Jesus is some of the greatest teaching of all time. Jesus taught, love your neighbor as yourself. He taught, do to other people as you would have them do to you. He taught, love your enemy, which is an absolutely mind-blowing teaching and the first of its kind. Jesus' teaching on love and compassion and kindness became the foundation of Western civilization. Schools, hospitals, our system of laws were originally founded on the teachings of Jesus. Jesus' teachings extended beyond what he just said. Jesus also lived an incredibly selfless life. He loved and defended the poor and the marginalized. He was a champion for women and the oppressed. He fed the hungry and healed the sick. In 1971, Time magazine described Jesus as the most persistent symbol of purity, selflessness, and love in the history of humanity. Point number two, Jesus was a great religious teacher in both his teachings and in the way he lived his life. So up until now, this has been the duh section of the sermon. Now, point number three, we finally get to the hmm section. Point number three, Jesus claimed to be God. You might be okay with the statement that Jesus was a real human being who existed. And you might be okay acknowledging that Jesus was a great religious teacher. But Jesus claiming that he's God? That's the one that makes you go, hmm. But it's very clear. Jesus claimed to be God. And he acted as though he were God. In the Gospel of Mark, four guys bring their friend who is paralyzed to Jesus, hoping that Jesus will heal him. They lower their friend through the roof because the room was so crowded. And here's what the text tells us happens next. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this fellow speak in this way? It is blasphemy. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Exactly. Who can forgive sins but God alone? If you do something bad to me, I can say, you know what, you did this messed up thing to me, but I forgive you. And that's commendable. But I can't just walk up to some random person in Foodland and say, I forgive you. That's super weird. What authority do I have to forgive someone I don't know? Who do I think I am to forgive some random person? Justin Bieber? But that's exactly what Jesus does. He forgives the paralytic. And after Jesus forgives him, Jesus goes ahead and heals him, too. The guy gets up, takes his mat, 
and walks off. Jesus is a good teacher. He's a healer even. But is he claiming to be something more? Is he claiming to be God? What do we do with that? In the Gospel of John, Jesus is teaching in Jerusalem. And he makes this outrageous, unheard of claim. He says, I and the Father are one. The Father meaning God. Jesus is saying, I and God are one. And people are outraged, so they pick up rocks to throw at Jesus. So Jesus says, I've shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? To which they reply, we are not stoning you for any good work, they replied, but for blasphemy, because you are a mere man and yet claim to be God. Jesus claims to be God. All throughout the New Testament, he claimed to forgive sins, and he claimed that he would judge the world someday. He referred to himself as the Messiah. And his teachings weren't just about being nice to your neighbor or your enemy. Jesus' teachings were about himself. He claimed that he was the way and the truth and the life. He claimed that he was the bread of life, that he was the light of the world. He claimed to be able to give people true freedom and true rest. He said that anyone that received him would be receiving God. He said that anyone who welcomed him would be welcoming God. And Jesus said that anyone who has seen him has seen God. If you have an Alpha booklet, all the references are in that booklet. Feel free to contact us to get a booklet if you like, or to get into an Alpha group. You know, we just celebrated Martin Luther King's birthday this past Monday. MLK was an amazing person who actually lived. He was a great religious teacher who inspired people. He died tragically. And so we come together as a nation to remember him and honor him every year. You know what Martin Luther King did not say? He didn't say that he was God. And if he did, if MLK walked around claiming to be God, claiming to forgive sins, saying that people who saw him saw God, would we remember MLK the same way? Or would we think of him differently? In 2019, a man claiming to be God tried to steal an ambulance in Fremont, Ohio. Upon his arrest, he was transported to the emergency room for a mental health evaluation. In 2018, a man in Allentown, Pennsylvania, claiming to be God, tried to steal two beers from a liquor store by just walking out with them, saying, I'm God. Upon his arrest, he admitted that he was high on meth. Last year, a man was arrested in Athens, Georgia, in Athens, Georgia trespassing on a dairy farm, claiming that he was God and that the Nazi cows on the farm were going to destroy the planet. Upon his arrest, the man was brought to the hospital for psychological evaluation. Unless you think it's all just men, in 2018 in Naples, Florida, a woman claiming to be God held up a postal truck, stole a single package, and then fled on a tricycle. I googled man, woman claims to be God, and there are no shortage of stories like these. The common thread, unsurprisingly, is the conclusion, either brought to the hospital for mental health evaluation or high on methamphetamines. Who is Jesus? He really existed, and he was a great religious teacher, and he claimed to be God. Hmm. There are three possibilities as we grapple with that claim. One, 
Jesus claimed to be God, but Jesus was not God. Jesus knew he was not God. And that makes Jesus the biggest con man who ever lived. Two, Jesus claimed to be God, but Jesus was not God. But Jesus genuinely thought he was God. That makes Jesus deluded or insane, and he should be brought to the hospital for a psychological evaluation like all those other people I just mentioned who thought they were God. Three, Jesus claimed to be God, and Jesus was actually God. The author C.S. Lewis again. A man who is merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He'd either be insane or else he'd be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else insane or something worse. But let's not come up with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. No one is saying of that guy raving about the Nazi cows or that woman escaping on a tricycle, you know, they clearly have mental health issues, but they're a great moral teacher, perhaps the wisest and most inspiring of all time. Who is Jesus? Is he a con man? Is he insane? Or might he actually be who he says he is? God himself. For those of us who believe that Jesus is who he says he is, God himself, we do so on the basis of a combination of evidence and faith. And it's probably a sliding scale for us. Some needed more faith and less evidence, and some people like me needed more evidence and more faith. We've talked about Jesus' life and his teachings and his character, which I think is evidence that rules out Jesus being a con man or insane. There are two other pieces of evidence that point to Jesus perhaps being who he says he is. Prophecy and resurrection. We've talked about the New Testament of the Bible today, and there's also an Old Testament which consists of the holy scriptures of the Jewish faith. There are over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament that Jesus fulfills. Prophecies from hundreds of years before Jesus lived, the place of his birth, the, the place of his burial, the way he would die, his resurrection, they were all predicted, predicted hundreds of years before he was born. It's stuff you can't fake, like where Jesus was born. Jesus is the correct answer to 300 of those predictions. Now, let's talk about resurrection. Christians celebrate Christmas and Easter. Christmas, when Jesus is born into our world, and Easter, when Jesus overcomes death and is resurrected. The resurrection is more evidence for Jesus being who he claims to be. Let me tell you some bad news today, and hopefully this will not be a surprise to you. Benjamin Franklin said that there are two things certain in this world, death and taxes. And it's not tax season yet. Death is part of reality. But followers of Jesus have hope beyond death. And that's because we believe that Jesus conquered death in his resurrection. And so our death in this life is not the end. Jesus gives us hope in this life, and he gives us hope beyond this life. What evidence is there that Jesus was actually resurrected? resurrected? Jesus was crucified, and he was buried. And three days later, his tomb 
was empty. Why was Jesus' body not there on Easter Sunday? For those that don't believe that Jesus was raised from the dead, there are all kinds of explanations. The authorities stole the body, or the disciples stole the body, or grave robbers stole the body. But if the authorities stole the body, then wouldn't they just present the body when everyone started claiming they had seen Jesus alive? This ragtag group of Jesus' followers started causing a stir among the people, claiming Jesus overcame death. And the easiest way to shut that down is just to show everyone Jesus' dead body. But they didn't, and they couldn't. The only valuable thing for a grave robber to steal would be the clothes Jesus was buried in. But the clothes were still there in the tomb, and the cloth that was placed on Jesus' head when he was buried was neatly folded. That's got to be the worst grave robber ever, to take the body and not the clothes, and then to fold up the cloth nice and neat and not steal it. So what about the disciples? Did they start this con? The gospel is unflinching about the group of disciples and what cowards they were at Jesus' death. They all deserted Jesus when he was captured. They fled at his crucifixion. Some went back to being fishermen. And then suddenly, they start reporting that they saw Jesus alive in the flesh. On one occasion, over 500 people reported seeing Jesus. Was it a hallucination? Mass hallucination where lots of people see all, just the same thing is not something that actually happens, particularly over a long period with a diverse group of people. The group of disciples includes a tax collector. Do you know of any tax collectors that hallucinate? Is it possible that these cowardly disciples conspired to steal the body of Jesus and then lie about it for the rest of their lives? Sure. But these disciples were transformed after Easter Sunday. They went from hiding at Jesus' death to suddenly traveling around the world, insisting that they had seen Jesus risen from the dead. Almost all of them died horrific deaths because of what they claimed. They were crucified, tortured, beheaded, given every opportunity and incentive to recant. Not one of them said, actually, we made it up. Here's where we hid the body. They all went to their deaths, insisting that they had seen Jesus risen from the dead. What's more likely, that they all died for something they knew was a lie, or that they all went to their deaths actually believing in what they said, that they had seen the risen Jesus. Their testimony spread around the world, so that today there are 2.4 billion Christians in the world. Every continent, every ethnicity, nationality, all ages, every economic, social, and intellectual background. And we all, who are followers of Jesus, tell the same story as those first disciples, that we have seen and encountered the risen Jesus. Pastor Dan quoted Bono, the singer for the band U2, last week. Bono was asked by an interviewer in 2013, who is Jesus as far as you are concerned? Bono said, I don't think you're let off easily by saying he was a great thinker or great philosopher. Because actually, he went around saying he was the Messiah. That's why he was crucified. He was crucified because he said he was the Son of God. So he either, in my view, was the Son of God, or he was nuts. 
And I find it hard to accept that millions and millions of lives, half the Earth for 2,000 years, have been touched, have felt their lives touched and inspired by some nutter. I don't believe it. Who is Jesus? Some nutter? Or some nutter, as Bono says in his British accent? Or is he God himself? For me, for Bono, for many of us, we've made a decision about who Jesus is. I think that if we are humans and not rabbits, that we, then we need to decide what is true about the world around us. What is true about who is Jesus? We pray that you will encounter the risen Jesus today and in the coming weeks. Will you pray with me now? Let's take a moment now just to close our eyes and pray. Jesus, may you make yourself known to us. May you show yourself to everyone who is searching for the truth, who is searching for what is true about this world and about their lives. May you show yourself to everyone who is tired and weary today, to those who are carrying heavy burdens. May you give us rest. May you set us free. May you forgive us of our sins. Either you are who you said you are, you are God himself, or we're just praying right now to a dead man. But I believe that you are alive and that you are real and that you are God and that you hear us. I believe that you overcame death to give us hope in this life and in the next. Jesus, for those who have never met you, may you be present to them now. And for those who wish to make a decision to follow you today, we pray, Jesus, we are sorry for the ways we've fallen short. We thank you that you are the way for us to be reconciled to God. You are the way and the truth and the life. Please, Jesus, be my Lord and Savior now and forevermore. In your name we pray, and all God's children say, Amen. Thank you for joining us today. We do hope that you join one of the many Alpha groups that are meeting today and this week to discuss and share what you heard today. If you would like prayer after the service, please click on the button in the chat pane. And now, please receive this final blessing. May the love of God the Father and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Amen. God bless you and have a great week. The proof is out there. Even a measured, methodical examination of the evidence leads to the same conclusion. Jesus is real. If you want to catch up on or re-listen to previous services, you can find past sermons on our websites, fpchawaii.org and thevinehawaii.org. You can also find First Pres sermons on most major podcast services and now on YouTube. Because of the recent rise in COVID cases, First Pres is back to online worship services only. These services happen Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. Again, there's no in-person worship for the time being, only online at our websites, fpchawaii.org and thevinehawaii.org. 
Sign up for First Press emails for links to sermons, daily devotionals, church news and updates, and lots more. And as always, if there's anything First Press can do for you, please reach out through the websites or just call 808-532-1111. For Senior Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First Press, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you, stay safe, and thank you for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2022 and produced by the Media Ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu.